Boom. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Restoration Rebel Roundtable for May 29th, the last roundtable of May 2018. Um, we don't have a whole lot planned for tonight, but we're going to go through the regular rounds as we always do. First off, we're going to read the four commitments, get this puppy started. Restoration Rebels, our mission is to take back the restoration industry that we love. This is not the commitments, but that's just our mission. Here we go. Commitment number one, I will protect the value of my services. I will not devalue the services of another professional by providing anti-competitive bids. Commitment number two, I will practice incredible transparency. I will explain our processes and details to my client. I will never hide details or manipulate reports. I will never communicate with a third party without also communicating with my client. Commitment number three, I do not believe in competition. Restoration professionals in my market are part of my community. I will be an active member of that community. It is our unbreakable unity that will create the change we strive for. Commitment number four, I am willing to walk away from any project, client, or contract that is not compatible with my values and stated mission. Healthy relationships do not require us to give up money, sleep, or our humanity. Boom. Closing that window. Saving on some bandwidth. All right. Let's see here. David Feldmeyer. Have you been here before? Mr. Feldmeyer? I'm going to unmute you involuntarily. David, you there? Picking up? Hmm, maybe, maybe not. All right, I'll mute you. Introduce yourself later if you ever get the power of speech back. Get Mr. Sargent in the room. Get Mr. Mark Trader in the room. Get in here. Get in here. All right. No new faces. Um, Jack Martin, is that a new face? I don't, I can't see your face, but mm, maybe not. Okay, Greg, I'm going to mute you. There you go. Well, uh, we got 12 people. This is, this is smallest, I think the smallest roundtable we had since the very first roundtable ever. Um, does anyone have any, like, top of mind, urgent things that maybe we could help you with real quick? Besides just being too busy and having too much money. <laughs> Go ahead, Craig. Oh. There you go. I'm hearing somebody else breathing. Hold on. Oh, it's probably, I'm going to mute Clark there. Do you guys have something you recommend for like legal stuff in the industry? Just cause I keep getting guys that are starting out and they, they don't know how to write work costs. They don't know. And I'm just trying to see, is there anybody in the group that maybe I could get to know better that could help these guys with things like that? I'm not sure if Ed Cross is in the group or not. Do you guys know if Ed Cross is in the group? I know he put together, he's in there somewhere. He put together, a while back, a nice package of everything, or so I've heard. I don't have any experience with that. Ed Cross. Yeah, Ed Cross. It's also something that I'd love to come. Uh, I know that um, Bob and Bob Timmel and I have talked about that. We'd like to come up with a, a rebel package of rebel approved authorizations and contracts and whatnot, because um, they've got a pretty good thing going on. Yeah, it's something to give. I kind of just say, well, here's an outline, but you got to have it all checked for your own local legal area, you know. Right, right. Just do your due diligence. 
Um, but yeah, Kiefer, you got anyone you would recommend to, to put together authorization packages or you got to do your own? Am I on? Can you actually hear me? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, do I have a, no, we use uh, our local attorney for everything. Okay. That's what I, I did. I, well, you know, I, I mean, before that and a lot of things that we got, uh, that we had our attorney incorporate came from, of course, Ed Cross and um, and uh, shit. Oh, excuse my language. Is that a legal name or uh, Ed Ed Cross? Name? The restoration no. attorney. No, I'm just giving you a hard time, buddy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Harvey Cohen down in uh, Florida. Harvey Cohen. That's another okay. name I've heard. I just don't know. Harvey. Okay. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Uh, do you want to mention that you're on here, Greg? Yeah. Um, our little giveaway we came up with today. Yeah. Yeah. Just something uh, me and Andy were talking about. It seems like, um, you know, call conversion is one of those topics that a lot of people need, but they're not exactly, it's not on the top of their list. Um, so we kind of wanted to help, uh, put something together where people in the, rebel nation or alliance whichever one you're going by now um but especially everybody who went to the summit we wanted to you know give out um i was going to give a code uh do we just right now well i'll post a link i'll post a link how about that yeah and he's going to post a link but i've got multiple courses online but i was talking with him about just uh giving you guys uh, anybody in the rebels or alliance who wants to have access to the uh my call conversion course online uh, let's put a, we'll put a link with a coupon code so you can get it for free. And it just, I keep talking to people all over the place and it's just not something they really think about, but I think if I could get them converting more calls, they'd be more profitable and, uh, you know, some value there. So it was just kind of something I felt like would benefit everybody here in the group. Perfect. Good. And we'll pull that up somewhere, somewhere. Excellent. I have the email. Well, you guys. Yeah, you sent me that email today. All right, all right. Um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about fear. Um, I read an article today, and it hit home particularly hard for me. So I felt like I might share the why it hit home so hard. I'm I'm reading another book called uh, The End of Competition, or no, The End of Competitive Advantage, and the gist of the book is. Uh, we are no longer in operating in a, in a world where it's good enough to go find a competitive advantage as a business and just hang on to that competitive advantage because all advantages are, are changing. They're, they're, they're short term. There's no such thing as a long thing as a long term competitive advantage. And we're in a world of competing instead of, and we're not in a world of competing businesses. We're in a world of competing business models. So the best business models are going to win in the future. One thing that it, um, the book mentioned, though, is it's very hard to run two different business models in this, inside the same business. You need to have a different, different division if you're going to run a different business model. And it hit home to me um, when I was reading this article today about fear that um, I – was trying to run several different business models inside of my claims delegates estimating consulting company 
because every time someone would come along and say, Hey, could you do this? I would look at it. I would have this fear of, well, I, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose this customer and I don't want to lose this customer. So I'm going to go do this. Well, this thing may or may not have been part of my original business model. And so I've woken up to the fact that I'm, I have four or five different business models at play in one company that's made up of one man, which is not, not a tenable thing. Uh, so I'm going to have to refocus and let go of the fear of if I don't make everyone happy, everyone's going to go away in my business and concentrate on what is the business model that I want to run and how do I make that perfect and not every customer is going to fit into that. One more person in the room, promote two panelists, Jason Harper. All right, so this comes from the blog 12weekyear.com. That's 12, number 12. Let me see if I can get this. 12, come on, focus. Focus, nope, almost 12weekyear.com. Um, another great book, if you haven't read that, is The 12-Week Year. So here's uh, the five truths of fear. Fear will never go away as long as I continue to grow. The, the fear will never go away as long as I continue to grow. Okay? Maybe that's not what you wanted to hear, but I think there's a relief that comes with, with you well, when you no longer having to... Oh, can you read that? That sentence is messing me up. Anyway, number two, the only way to get rid of the fear of doing something is to go out and do it. Okay? Number three, the only way to feel better about myself is to go out and do it. So if we're afraid of doing something, the only way to get over that fear is to go out and do that. And you're going to feel better about yourself. Number four, not only am I going to experience fear whenever I'm on unfamiliar territory, but so is everyone else. So just because you're anxious and fearful about doing something new, you need to rest in the fact that everyone else is fearful of doing something new. And the fifth truth about fear, pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. Very interesting. So fear is, is the number one destroyer of businesses and people, fear of missing out, fear of failure, fear of embarrassment, um, the, the fear of getting your ego bruised or hurt or destroyed, as it were. One more person in the room. And, and as, as I was thinking as I was reading this article, I've let fear of what other people think or whatever people might say, influence my decisions. Not just in this group, but in, in, in life. I let my fear control what I do. And it's not healthy. I've come to realize over the last three weeks that there are a lot of people that do not want to see me succeed. There are a lot of people that do not want to see this group succeed. For whatever reason, I don't, I don't understand those things. Um, and I was having a hard time over the last couple of weeks coming to terms with the fact that there are people who actively do not, actively do not want to see me succeed. So am I going to let the, that, my fear of, of that 
control me? Are you going to let your fear of whatever's holding you back control you? Or are you going to work through that fear? Clark, you got something to say about that? There's a, there's a chat box here. I'm going to go to the chat here. Yeah. Um, I've always been in the matter of the fact that if anybody's paying attention to me and not themselves, then I'm doing something right. Hmm. Um, I, I, w- I won't say I'm evolved because I get those emotions as well, but I learned long ago that the harder I try to beat other people's Clark version of Clark, the farther away from what I think I can be, I become, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, you know, I, I accept myself for what I am and what I do. I try to do the best I can, but there's just no humanly possible way that you can please everybody with everything you do. There's not a, there's not an actor that everyone loves. There's not a band that everyone, there's no singer that everyone loves. There's, there's some that a lot do. Um, but, I just say, why are, why are people spend energy on trying to change others? Mm-hmm. It's always been beyond me. So I, I don't know where in my life I picked that up, but um, I don't say I don't care what others think because I do. Um, right. I'm always, uh, I'm always, everyone's a customer to me. Even friends are, are, are in a way a customer. I'm trying to please, but um, you just can't please them all the time. So I, um, I, I, it's like a, uh, you save the ones you can, and that's it. And because uh, the ones that the ones that want your attention deserve your attention, mm. not the ones. You know. So I didn't know you were dealing with that, and I'm sorry. And uh, uh, listen, I just say we're doing something right. If if someone's worried about me and not their own business, they answer to somebody. You know who who are they letting down? So exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it comes down to. It's it's just realizing. What's, what's that saying? Um, is it anger or, or bitterness is, is, uh, is like taking a poison, uh, holding on to bitterness is like taking a poison, hoping somebody else is going to die. Um, that, you know, so yeah, the only person you're hurting, holding on to anger or resentment, I think it was resentment is what it was. These neg- you hold on to these negative emotions and ah, I'm going to get them. Well, you're really killing yourself on the inside and you're not actually helping kill the other person if that's truly what you wanted to do. Um, so negative energy only hurts yourself. I, I like it. Um, who else is here? I haven't seen Mark. I don't remember that name. Mark Treater. I'm terrible with names. Mark, Mark was at the summit. He's actually one of the squad leaders. Okay. All right. All right. I'm trying to see who else here. I see Aaron's here, Ryan David. Looks like we got the regular, the regular bunch. Um, so I know uh, Joe and I were going to talk a little bit tonight, but um, I, I, I do want to let some other folks talk if they have anything. Yeah, uh, we haven't had an opportunity for a real roundtable in a while. Is there anybody here that's in Maryland that's attempting to do some of the flood work in Maryland? Probably not. They're probably all still out there on the jobs, right? <laughs> now, was it just that one town? I haven't been watching it very it's closely. One, it's very. It's actually one very small community. Um, so it's Robert just the, how the geography came together, and it just you know, I was reading a story about it. And Robert, you can time in if you want to. I know Robert uh, has lived around these parts a long time, but I was reading a story um, from an engineer in the area 
that has actually started this study a few years ago before this happened. The same thing happened in 2016 on a smaller scale, but we're already talking about a low water table area and the urban growth there, the construction has caused all the extra pavement and all the extra ground cover that they're taking away um, natural floodlands is pushing water and maneuvering it around in ways that it was never zoned or designed to be. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. basically here we are fucking with mother nature again for our own good. Um, And and there's a, there was a, this guy actually did a study of a lot of places and there are houses that are on hills that have basements that never, when they bought their houses in the eighties and nineties, never flooded, but now they have huge sump pump issues all the time and they live on an incline. So it's coming from, it's, it's being pushed around. So they're re-diverting like a, like a beaver that builds a dam. Well, he's going to build a dam, but he's going to flood people's communities mm-hmm. and neighborhoods. And so this is happening. So the, really the big, the big thing is, is stop calling this a natural disaster. Cause it's not, it's actually a man-made disaster. So yeah, uh, it's interesting what'll happen. So they're really, they're, they're, they're talking about some class section lawsuits against the zoning commission and the erosion control and Corps of engineers and people that were charged with build this thing right and keep our, our communities and our investments safe. And they haven't done so. So, hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's really, it really is one main street took the biggest hit, Robert, right? Just right there in Ellicott. Catonsville really took a beating too. There's a ton of uh, homes and stuff that are completely destroyed there as well. I think okay. they got, I think they got actually 10 inches in Ellicott city got eight. But wow. wow. In like four hours, right? Like a, a yeah, small very, Yeah, exactly. Well, it's only going to get worse and that's not going to be the last place. Um, Mother nature's feeding us, feeding us, making sure we, we know we chose the right industry to be in. Well, you want to talk about fear. Everybody talked about the fear of missing out, but I would be really afraid of mobilizing to that area, chasing a bunch of work and incurring a bunch of cost and not getting anything or finding out that you think the TPA squeeze you for dollar amounts. Wait till you get somebody who's self pay that they're asking you $1,200 to rip out their entire house and, or, or leave it because somebody else will. That's the yeah. fear I have. And the population, the, the number of population was not, you know, how, how many fe- affected people were there? A million, maybe less. Oh no. Way less than that. Yeah. Way less. Way less. Way less. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean not, this... it's not a Houston, it's not a Florida hurricane. It's so narrow. Well, not only that, but it's a, it's a real sparse population, right? I mean, this isn't a, a metropolitan type space where there's people stacked on top of people. This is a very, very small localized event and the local contractors and I'm sure a national or two is going to get something, but it's a local cleanup all day long. It's definitely not worth mobilizing for unless you're already in that region. For sure. It's too small. Hmm. Yeah. I'm only two hours away and there's no way I'm, I'm going there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the crawl spaces. <laughs> oh, nothing but crawl spaces. I love it. I love it. Well, what do you guys want to talk about tonight? What's our campaign, Joe? Knowing your numbers, right? Numbers. Numbers. So we're kind of a week ahead of June because this is technically the last week of May, but we're starting a new campaign for June, and that's numbers. Knowing your numbers. Do you really know your numbers? All your numbers. All month long, we're going to talk about numbers. 
some way, shape or form. And they all relate to your bottom line. And um, so tonight we just kind of wanted to have an open conversation. Uh, me and Clark are going to talk a little bit about a couple aspects and numbers, but we want to hear from the group, some of your pain points. What are the pain points in your numbers? Which number in your business, your business, whatever number it may be, right? What's your number pain point? And, and we'd like to see that conversation continue outside of the round table and into the thread of this uh, once we post this onto Facebook. So we as a group can look at the content and identify what everyone's pain point is and whatever their number is. And just so we're clear, like the number can be any number. It can be the number of employees you have. It can be the number of profit you should have, could have, would have. It's the number of employees you need total to do X amount of volume. It's the numbers, like everything we do is numbers in our business, right? Everything we do is logistics. If you really sit back and understand what we really do as restorers, 50% of our daily activities is logistics, right? Like that's just what it is from a real like bare perspective. And we want to talk about numbers. Like how much are you spending in fuel? Is that, could that be better spent? Like let's talk about where your numbers are at. And ultimately we're going to get to the final discussion at the end of the month, which is your, your, the money you keep, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what your margin is. It doesn't matter what this is and that is your overhead and your profit and your blah, 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 fucking blah, right? It's about what did you put into your bank account? Like, so by the end of this month, we're going to get to that real conversation. So I encourage everybody to pay attention this month, get to know your numbers, and we want to know your pain points. So if you've got a number in your business, whatever it may be, put it in the bottom thread of this comment on Facebook and let us know so we can ingest that into the conversation moving forward over the next several weeks. But this month is all about your numbers. Yeah. All of them. Go ahead, Steven. So, you know, just looking at a new guy, right, Joe? Where would a guy who's just getting into the industry even start with focusing on his numbers? Because that's where I'm at. You know, yeah, I've done a couple of small jobs, but it's just me and my business partner. We have nothing else. Janitorial has floated us to this point, but now we're, we're launching out this year. We've done a couple of jobs, but where should our focus be on figuring out what is our number? What is it that we have to make on our price list in order to hit that margins that we want to make? Do we just, you know, it's not a number you just pick out of the air, but where does a guy like me who's just starting take information that a guy like you who's been in it for 15, 20 years and say, okay, let me learn from this guy. And what are the main factors of me figuring out just to start with? What are my numbers? What should I, where should I start? Go ahead, Clark. Stephen. I'll I'll take that for here, Stephen. Um, there's no there's no magic number. I mean, that number floats a little bit based on what your business is. So, um, when water and mold is is different than fire and reconstruction. But your, your big benchmarks, I actually did this um, last week and today. We didn't, I didn't work yesterday, but I talked to my clients, and this was financial week. So last week, I had two of my clients have their financials from last year, and then the, another one today. And um, they were vastly different. And they were from people who were more 
business oriented people and those that were more technical oriented. And that's where the line in the sand comes up is, is we're all great at knowing how to dry a building. And we know those numbers without a problem, right? We, we went to, we went to IICRC or REITs or somewhere and we learned what, you know, what GPP this needs to be at and where evaporation happens. But there's, there isn't a great class for that. Um, there are a lot of, this is not a plug. There are a lot of advisors running around this industry and we probably should have someone um, at the next uh, summit. Um, Howard Shore, if anybody knows Howard, um, John Capone was just at the summit. I mean, that's a guy that can sit with you and look at it, but there are places like your, your labor percentages. There are landmark numbers where you should be with what percent of your gross revenue your labor should be. And if it's 40%, you probably don't need an expert to tell you that's too high, but you might not know why that's so high. So, so just knowing the number itself isn't enough. It's how is my growth? What was this for the same period of last year and what has changed? Um, how can I be more efficient on, and that's labor is how many guys am I sending to a job? Now, you know, if it's really one or two guys only in a company, it's really easy, but, people that have 10 or 12 guys and they have nothing else going on. There's a habit. They say, Hey, I want everybody to pile up and go over to this one job. Well, the more guys you get on one job, the more people that don't do anything, just sit around and watch because they think that somebody else is handling it. So labor will soak up your money quickly. I will tell you that materials wise for the average company materials wise, you should not be over. Joe, I think I usually say 9% on the high side. Um, Five to seven is really, really doing well for materials. Again, that doesn't include reconstruction because that's a whole lot different. But for your standard turnkey restoration company, somewhere between seven and nine is where I think I couldn't get much. Because if you're getting any lower than that, you're not using all your materials and you're you're probably not doing it right. Um, you're underbilling. Huh? And you're underbilling. You're underbilling. And that's, that's the other thing is we do talk about where should my numbers be, but sometimes the numbers are just how you're estimating. You're leaving all kinds of money on the table. Uh, Jeremy Reed just did a great, great video a few weeks ago about if you leave off X number of fans per week, if you don't size it right. And if you're, if you're continuing to put the number of equipment, piece of equipment that you think the adjuster will not fight you on, look at how much you're leaving on the books at the end of the year. If you haven't seen that video, Try to go back and find it. I'm, maybe one of us can post it back up. But it, it it tangibly shows where a small thing can turn into a really large thing. Um, another area, which is very, very big right now because everybody's having to pay to play, is how much you're spending on your cost of acquisition. What are you spending on Google AdWords and other forms of media, radio, print ad? Um, you can't avoid that, but you really have to start looking at what's working and what's not and breaking those down. So I need to factor that in to your yeah, costs, to your cost. That's what your O and P that's why you should get O and P on every single job because I, I, I continue to say this who watches football and all state has commercials. They have advertising. That's their cost of acquisition. They're getting people to go buy their insurance because they saw them on the Steelers and the Cowboys game. Why are you any different? Why are we any different? So stop believing the hype, but your numbers are payroll is a big one. Uh, materials are a little bit of it. Cost of, you know, marketing and spend, 
I mean, I have some benchmarks that I think you should try to be under, but I have one client that literally, I, I don't mind, I won't say who this was and they are a rebel, but they came to me and they're really new in this business. And they went to the summit and they watched Don Capone talking about if you're at four to 5% for your net, you're dying. You're, you're, you're lethargic. Mm-hmm. And so after this person sat around and talked to many, many people, maybe, you know, maybe people that I don't know if he was talking to the wrong audience, but they all scarily told him, you know, in a fearful way said, we're not that far from that. We think we're making that. He was under the impression that this industry, when he did his homework about starting in this business, he came from another trade. He was seeing that 20% was doable, Mm. but he's not seeing it happen. Mm. So, what I, what I said was, and I, and I sure don't mean to offend anybody, but let's just be honest that the rebel group is geared a lot towards newer people that are looking for answers because there are no answers anywhere else. We've said that before. So I think we're all here going to summits because we are looking how to, re, we, we are in that space and we're looking how to change it because five years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't have the same problem that we do now. Um, but I will tell you, and I will—I don't know. Joe can probably affirm to it. I know Bob and Robert. Um, there is there is nothing wrong, and you should be you should be saying a net of over twenty five percent, unless you are almost all construction, or if you're subbing it all out. If you're subbing everything out, you know you're not going to make that many points on all those cases. That's just my opinion. I mean, I know of I know I have made. Sometimes season-wise, depending on what season it is, 38 to 40%. And that's after salaries. And I think like what John said, you have to be paying yourself a salary. Even if it's 50000 a year and you're going to take dividends or you're going to take distributions, you got to pay yourself so you can actually see what your company's money is at. But Stephen and whoever else, there's not, there's not you can't Google it and find out what that number is because it's different for a lot of people. But the real tr- thing is, like Andy just said, is are you estimating right? Because you're, you know, you're, you're, a lot of your costs are fixed and they go up, but um, that's a hard thing. So we're going to talk, I think Joe is right. We're going to talk over the next few weeks of some of the things that contribute to the pressure. Uh, next week on Tuesday, we're going to have some, who, who saw the, the company cam thing, by the way? Um, I, I wanted to shout out to Joe and Robert. Um, great job. Next week, Z-Lean is going to do the same thing. We're talking about it. Z-Lean is a new service that's going to be an affiliate with the Air Group. And um, they're coming on strong with some really good stuff. But they're going to come on here to the summit, I mean to the uh, summit, to the roundtable. And then they'll probably do a webcast into the group, much like Company, Company Cam did. Maybe on their page, maybe on ours, but we'll stream it on both. But they deal with just the process of how to get your, you know, notifications to your clients that you intend to lean if you need to not letting anybody go because the ones that you talk to will, the ones that you alert that you're on top of that date and you know what that date is and you plan to, you know, use that, that what you have at your, at your disposal, they end up paying quicker and you aren't waiting 90 days. Um, so Stephen, if you had a big major event this month, and you had to spend all, and I'm not talking just to Steven. I'm Steven. I'm just saying, cause you, you asked the question. 
if this month of May you had a major, major event come through Arkansas, tornadoes, floods, you're going to spend a crap ton of money producing some jobs that you won't see the money on until well into June. Realistically, the bigger the, the area-wide disaster, it's going to be more like July. So your numbers for January, February, March on what your profits were make a really, really big difference on what your May, June, July are going to look like. Um, and, and, and again, I just, last thing I'll talk about, we, I have a, a, a someone that, and this is not advertisement, but someone hired me to go help them close out a big claim, $300,000 job. Um, he didn't do everything right. You know, he, it, that's a whole different story, but he, it was a January job and here we were almost in June, still trying to collect it. And you know what he, I asked him, I said, how much work have you turned down between now and then that you couldn't do? He said about $150,000 worth of other work that he couldn't even tackle. Mm. He'd already tapped out. He'd already tapped out his credit line. He'd already borrowed money from his friends and family. So there's liquidated damages there that I told him, you know, you, you could go after, except that you just didn't document your loss the right way. You didn't have your contract set up. You didn't get your draws, all of that stuff. But, all that ties into one big circle of it's all the money. You know, we can be great. We can do great commercials and we can do great work and have great trucks and stuff, but none of it matters if we don't run our businesses responsibly, especially as we get bigger and we have employees working for us and, and, and marketing people that need to know that they can go after the bigger work because we can afford to do it if they go out and get some more work. So exactly right. But but numbers are it. Um, but Stephen, that's um, we can have an offline conversation about some of that. But I really really recommend everyone get their accountant to get them on schedule to produce their numbers on a monthly basis, and have the have the month ending of May and it's the first week of June if you can. And that just means you're reporting, just up your reporting so that you can see and you can react and not get those once every couple of months. You know, which a lot of people do. But pay that money for the accountant because they'll be your best friend. And then start looking at your goals and where you are with your goal and figuring out how to reach it. So that's it. I think I went off topic, Joe, but um, – No, can, not at all. We can not address all, the uh, the revenue part, part of that as far as estimating mid-next month when Clark and I are in Cleveland. We'll figure out how to do that live. We'll do that um, – we'll, we'll stream that live so we can teach everyone here at least – that's willing to watch how to do their own custom price list and how to come up with those numbers, which are very important numbers. Cause those could add, if, if you could just flip a switch and add 15% to your revenue number without adding costs, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? All right, go ahead. Well, so, I mean, Andy, I'll, I'll tell you why they wouldn't. It's because they don't know their numbers. Exactly. Right. They're operating so, with fake, Steven, with un, like these numbers in their head that don't exist. Yes. Right. So Steven, check it out. Right. I think for your scenario, the question that you ask is extremely valid. Clark's clearly identified that there is no magic number, right? Like it's a moving thing and it's all, it has a million variables, but ultimately like you don't want to be the guy going out at two in the morning to clean up the flood, right? Like that's not what you end game want to be. So you have to take the salary. It's that simple. And that becomes your cost. And when you can afford to pay yourself, right, then that means you can afford now to pay someone to do that work and you can continue to stay not paid unless you're making money. So 
you have to track your value, right? You have to know what you're spending, but you don't have to get really granular either. Like you can just simply look at money in, money out when you're small and really just start to understand what you're able to start to keep and then how you reinvest that, right? Um, it's really easy when you're a small business to stop at the supply store and grab a new carpet wand or grab a new X because it's there, like an impulse buy. There was no, there was no like plan behind that. So not knowing your numbers are just starting out, right? Like just pay attention to what you buy and how you buy it, right? And just track what you do and everything you do has a value, a monetary value. And then you sit back at the end of the month and you start to really understand how you spent your money. And then you start to understand how you can spend it better. But if you don't track what you spend and track what you bring in, truly track it and know it, then you'll never know your numbers. Dude. Like you could, we could have this conversation for years. I am the worst at that. I, I still don't have a budget that I'm ashamed. Go ahead, Clark. I'm reading some of the comments here and Lindsay's got a good point. Lindsay, Lindsay, you saw on? Yeah, I see you there. Pure Clean advertises recession-proof 40% profit with franchises. 40% net is unrealistic. So there's a couple of comments over here. Honestly, if you're in a franchise where we know that there's royalties involved and there's burden of, of cost, and you're making 40%, you're unethical. I, you're, yeah, there, I think. There's something. Now, I, and and yeah. if you're on programs, I don't even know how you're doing it. I mean, kudos to you, but. it's That's not um, possible. It's not. I mean, again, or you're not paying yourself. And again, yeah. that number will be skewed. If you're not paying yourself, you're going to make great net profits. But <laughs> what I, are you doing I, it for? You'll never I'll grow. <laughs> I never, you'll never grow. I mean, again, if, if I, in small companies, if the owner is, if they're so small and they're, if I own a company and I'm going out every night to do all the water damages and all day, what am I not doing in that time? I'm not growing my business. I'm not doing any sales and marketing because nobody else is because they're out there with you. And it just comes a point where you just have to, that's an investment is your salary to yourself. So, um, you know, 40%, I've seen that. Um, but again, it's, it's just, it's just kind of a perfect storm and some things have to go right. But Lindsay's right. I, I do know that a lot of those franchises will almost make those profits. But the thing about that is, you can't do anything about it. It's, it's, they can promise it. It doesn't mean it's there, right? People just sign on the dotted line, come up here and fly in for a week, and we'll show you how to run a franchise. And that's just, that's just every trade. That's every industry. I mean, you can buy a haagen store, and they'll tell you you're going to make this profit. You will in the summer, but you won't in the winter. Yeah. So, yeah. But numbers. Pie numbers aren't pie. fun. That's the other thing is numbers aren't no. fun. They're not that's, sexy. They're not sexy. That's not something we advertise that can get us more business. And that's where everybody, the FOMO is so bad that we're all worried about where we're going to get that next call tomorrow. That's, that's just what occupies our mind is that fear mm-hmm. and that what Andy opened up with that, that worry that where am I going to get next week's $30,000 to cover X. And that is a real fear, but it causes us to not spend the effort and time to really sit down and set the goal in the budget. And, and I think Joe said a while ago, listen, I, I know, I know rebels here to still buy their supplies mainly from home Depot and Granger. Mm. Has anybody ever done an RFP for all the supplies between the major national guys and said, 
price out these 42 items. I want to put them all side by side and look at what I've been paying. And you're going to buy, well, there's 3%. There's mm-hmm. 6% right there. And not including the time of your crew going to get those items and then taking a detour and going to get lottery tickets, hitting Starbucks, going by and see boo-boo. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a whole suck of a whole bunch of money that you can't even track. <laughs> can't even track it. And it's gone. <laughs> gone. Gone, baby. Guys, um, what I mentioned earlier, right, logistics. What Clark, what, what Clark just touched on was the logistics of acquisition of materials that we have to cost out. Right, that's a logistical conversation. Uh, bidding them against each other to just establish a, a better pricing. Anybody who's done, you know, uh, really large uh, work has we've we've been forced to like have that conversation and 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 work with people that understand that. But numbers, they're not sexy. But by the end of the month, I hope that we all appreciate them more, much like uh, we can appreciate. Uh, everything else. Well, you know what, I Joe? I, Joe yeah. This might run into two months. It may Maybe. not. It's this cool. might it run might. into two months. We may we may uncover something and decide to go another month into another area. And and I really want people to ask every question. Um, again, this is this is an area. What happened? Greg Sargent's going to show us something. He's oh, probably got some numbers for us. He, we're going to school. But yeah, Clark, I want everybody to comment in this thread on Facebook once Andy yeah. puts it up there. Uh, what number is their pain point? Yeah. And let's, forget, just, let's start that. And forget the judgment. Don't worry about the judgment. Don't worry about that. Just worry about your damn number. That's bigger than your pride for not knowing what you're doing. Because you know what? None of us know everything. Period, period, period. period. What's Greg going to show us? We're going to go to school? I, I think he just pushed the wrong button, it looks like. Oh, man, I was getting excited. Uh, yes. Now he's talking... Now he's speaking. It's Charlie Chaplin over there. I can't uh-huh. hear him. Now, one thing, one thing I do want to caution everybody with, right? We just opened up Pandora's box to put your number out there with a comment in this thread because we want to understand your pain. But if anybody starts putting comments in about like your margin, right? The percentage of profit. Let me explain one thing really simple to you. That's the last number that you actually get to figure out once all your other numbers are correct. Mm-hmm. So let's skip that whole conversation of I make 30% on water. I make 80% on water, like all over the country, a million variables. It's not the conversation. It's, it's every, it's all the numbers that lead up to that. It really is. Okay. Just kind of a, a forethought in the comment section before they, they run rampant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Greg, did you have something to share or you just hit the wrong button? I was trying to write on the whiteboard and hit something else. I'm still learning this thing. But yeah, years ago when I was running my, my QuickBooks out of the uh, shoebox is what they would call it at the end of the year. You know, when I first started, you take your shoebox to the accountant. And I hired a, a manager guy and he said, you know, you're like in a, in a car driving down the freeway at 65 miles an hour looking in your rearview mirror. Hmm. And that's always stuck with me. Like you guys said, you should have your accountant doing your numbers every month know them the first week of the next month at least because you if not just picture yourself driving down in a rear view you know looking through your rear view mirror so i love numbers so yeah you're exactly right we've got to have a realistic version of what is actually happening happening in as real a time as we can get i've worked for companies that at any moment in time the my manager could look at the number 
and, yep. and look at trajectories and look at, 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 at where the line was going. And in a mid month, he could call and say, you know what, this, uh, this number right here, this, I'm not liking this indicator. Let's do something about it. And we were able to get out ahead of things because they saw the trends. But if you're working on a 12 month, 12 months at a time, you're not going to see any trends. You're all in the rear view mirror. Would there be some value? Um, I could create this. So we used to have, we didn't call them dashboards. We actually figured out that dashboard is the wrong word. We call it windshield because the dashboard means you're looking down at the dash. You don't see where you're going. Mm. Windshield, windshield is your KPI to where you have everything visible, but you can still watch where you're going. Um, and we tracked everything. It's like baseball. I mean, in real time, it's a little bit of extra work, but it's, it's re and, and, and you share it with your team. So if you have a manager and a production manager or an ops manager, make them report the sales and the numbers to you because it's in their face. They are accountable. They're actually the ones reporting these lackluster numbers. Then you can say, well, wait a minute. That's not what we budgeted. Why are we over budget? You know, blah, blah, blah. And make them tell you. So, um, but there's some templates and, and, and I don't know, for those that don't have accountants, maybe, Joe, I've got a couple of them. Maybe we just create a blank P&L and everyone needs to put their own numbers in there. I mean, but they got to be real honest with themselves. And I'm not talking publishing them, but, you know, you've got your, your promotional, you know, your, your advertising, your cogs and your things, and you build your own. And, I mean, I could put in some benchmark, benchmark numbers where you should be and figure the Excel and lock down the formulas where, you know, again, it's getting in the numbers. Some people start glazing over, but you have to do it. You have to know it. And really you, you get it down one time, but there, we could do a template for that. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, actually uh, on, on that exact topic, right? Big shout out to the Timmels. I reached out to them uh, in anticipation of this campaign a couple of weeks ago, and I'd asked them for a copy of their uh, QuickBooks uh, ledger right? Which uh, is known as a chart of accounts. Whether you use QuickBooks or not, a chart of accounts is actually a fundamental thing that Clark was just speaking to. I asked them if they could share that uh, because the conversation came up in a prior fed. So big shout out to the Timmels. Thank you for that. And what they gave us was a really good solid um, chart of accounts for a restoration company. And it broke it down um, quite simply. It wasn't too uh, elaborate. It didn't get too far down the rabbit hole in any of the categories. It was really from a high level a good chart of accounts. And the intent was to take that document, Clark, uh, as we talked and put some formulas behind it. And then we can have that out there for everybody to kind of use as a mock-up uh, just to run numbers, run their own numbers uh, with something tangible. I'll add this. If anybody, I challenge anyone in here, anyone in our 2,480, whatever, look for the most profitable companies that are growing and succeeding and you're going to find they know their numbers. It's just as simple as that. The ones going blindly into get me more calls, Google the hell out of this thing. Get me every, you know, Angie's list, Craig's list, every way you can. That's great, but they're not growing that way. The ones that are growing have probably when they got to about a million, it's time to start talking about, maybe even a CFO. I mean, it's, it's an investment, but someone, because if you know how to sell and that's not a problem, 
get your numbers under things. But if you you won't find, hey Jim Kittridge, you won't find a large company that jumped from two to ten million that doesn't have those numbers under control because you can't borrow that much money, or your bank will laugh at you and say, "Don't come around here asking because you're lo- you're bleeding money and we you can't pay it back, so we're not giving it to you anymore." Um, and again, get in your local communities. Get some other, you know, even if it's not a restoration guy, if you know a good sandwich shop that's growing and booming, say, hey, I'm no competition to you. Let me pay you. Let me let me do something and, and, and sit with you for half a day and look at your chart of accounts. I mean, it really absolutely positively is something that while we're getting slower in the next couple of months, use this time while we're slow and, you, you know, you can pay all you want to. It's just not that many water damages in the summer. But while we're slow, get to know that stuff. And then figure out every Thursday at three to five, I spend on my numbers. Just section out one time or twice a week that that's when you do it. And that's part of your schedule. Hey, Clark. Um, yeah. You know, we're talking about numbers. Your point of knowing them, right? Knowing and understanding where everything is at. It's so important. And I'm going to share something right now to the group. Um, and and. I'm a little nervous because it's actually, it's, this is a, like our real dashboard. This is our real, our real windshield, Clark. You know, you know how to uh, do a screen share? Uh, I've got it on my laptop. So I'm just going to do, I'm just returning it around. But here's what I want to see. I want to show everybody, right? So yep. these, these are, this is all the data. Like this is lead source by jobs, claims versus retail, job types by jobs, carrier type by jobs. You, I can tell you how much percentage of revenue I'm doing with each carrier. I can tell you the job types by revenue, claims versus retail revenue. I mean, this, this data just goes on and on and on. And we're tracking, we're tracking all of that, right? Like we're paying attention to every, like everything without being ridiculously granular. And we've been able to, to know things. Like it's amazing to me when I hear people say like, like Angie's List sucks or, you know, whatever that, that company is, you know, that sends them information. I always say like, well, how do you know how well you actually did with that lead source? Like, yeah, maybe you got 10 jobs, right? And, um, you know, your average margin on each of them, according to your numbers was 10%, but you're neglecting the one job that you had like an 80% margin on or whatever the factor may be. And like, they just don't know like why they don't like that service. They just don't think they, it works. Right. I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you that we use all types of services like that to generate revenue. But we know what jobs they bring in. We know the percentage. We know the job types. We know the revenue percentages. We know. So every month we can say, you know what? That lead source, yeah, brought us in 10 jobs, but it was our lowest margin jobs. Peace. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even look at them for a second month. And, like, that's really hard to do, right? Like, give away a couple of grand or whatever it may be. But when you just start knowing your numbers and you can focus on that, all of a sudden you see this vertical, right? It's like all this margin compared to everything else. It's ridiculous. It's like your your unicorn. You just keep focusing on that unicorn, but you can't get to that until you know your numbers. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's really easy to get rid of the ugly baby once you realize it's an ugly baby. But There's if some. You think it's beautiful. You don't know the numbers, then you're gonna hold on to it. There's some uh, top. There's some conversation over here in the in the in the comments. Joe. Uh, Joe. Jason. Harper is referencing when you did a podcast with uh, Jonathan. Um, you covered a lot of this talk in your podcast, and this is what got him more interested in the group altogether. Yes. Um, Steve Plater 
key performance metrics are key. They are. Um, you don't know where you're going if you don't know what it looks like when you get there. Um, Home Advisor, Lindsay, um, change CPAs every so often, like you advise. It's amazing info. You lose so much trust in the same CPA. Yeah. So, again, I think the answers are here in this group. Mm-hmm. But we got to dive into it. And, 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 you know, it's, we talked about O and P and that should already be covered and it's there. And we talked about the other things, but this probably is where we should have started, but we didn't. So no numbers. Don't start with numbers. No way. Way to start with the love. Well, tell you what stuff you get, you get 150 rebels that start knowing their numbers and seeing that turnaround. <laughs> it, it will be, it will become some favorite damn topic, right? Mm-hmm. Give me the popcorn, pass the butter. I'm ready to watch this movie all day long. Game changer. Who needs to do more podcasts, Jason? Joe needs to do more podcasts. And, and marriage counseling. So I hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judd. Andy, you need to give marriage counseling? Oh, no, that's somebody else said that. Somebody or else. Joe does. Yeah, Joe would just say, don't get married. That's his counseling. Oh, who said okay. that? I forget who said that. Oh, uh, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's do, okay. you were on we Jonathan's podcast. podcast, right, Joe? So why don't you get on the Claim Clinic? We'll do that next week. We'll do an episode of the Claim Clinic on, uh, on the Ledbetter method. We're going to name it. It's going to be the Ledbetter method. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, we are. Listen, it's just company cam. Like, forget everything else. I swear to God. And they don't pay me shit, right? Forget everything you know. <laughs> Learn one thing. Steven, does that does some of that help, Steven? I'd like you to, to walk away from this with with some good thumbs up. I see you made a list over here. Yeah. Uh equipment investment. Yeah. What what is your what's your depreciation schedule for your equipment? Uh, at what point is that paid off? And that equipment uh, is, is making you more money. And, and, and then at what point do you put more money into that equipment for maintenance versus replace that equipment? If you don't know your numbers, you don't know what to do. You just have years worth of old equipment and, and you don't know. Anyway. And Andy, you know, I like to leave, I like to leave that whole like tax depreciation, that whole conversation back with the accountants so yeah. when I talk, when I want to buy an asset or a piece of equipment, I keep it really simple. I will rent it until I can pay for it one time. So if I can, if I have a, let's, for example, raccoons, right? I love raccoons. You guys know that. I did not have an insulation machine removal uh, machine at all. I did five jobs and I realized that I did five of them in like a three week period. So after that consecutive work, right after I generated revenues from that vertical of opportunity. I'm going to use this machine on and use it on only. I then went and bought the machine, right? And I, I justified it in a way that I'm obviously repetitively using it. And I ate the cost of the, uh, of the rental. You want to know why? Because that was hedging my loss that I wasn't going to be successful, mm-hmm. right? And not that I wanted to bet against myself, but I'm looking at my revenue and the money in my actual hand. It's a, so it's a, I'm a, it's a proof of concept. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'd, I'd rather rent it. Rent it four or five times and justify that I can carry that way to do that work, and it is profitable work, and then make the investment. And, and it didn't matter what it was. Like, it just didn't matter. Like, DUs, air movers, yeah, everything. Yeah. You know, I have a story on, I have a story on that, Joe. We, um, at, at my last employer, we got big into blown insulation in attics, and we were renting – the, the vacuums that would take the old insulation out and blow it in. 
just because it seemed like, yeah, I want to spend $2,500 for that piece of equipment. How much of this is there? But once we figured out how quick you can be done and how easy it was to obtain because nobody else was doing that and how much the guys like to do it and how much we could make off of those components, it made, it was a no brainer that we, we bought that and it paid for itself in a week. So same thing with any kind of component like that, but certainly with the equipment, how, where would we be if we ran a dehumidifiers all the time? Well, it's like yep. I see guys all the time say, like, I'm going to buy a, a soda blaster, right? Like, soda blasters are awesome, and they're phenomenal. When you get big enough to use them, buy them, right? But guys have done, like, one fire, and they're like, I'm going to go buy a soda blaster. Like, that's really bad. That's really dumb. <laughs> I've seen me do it. Go learn on someone else's tool, then go buy a nice one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Prove the concept. Well, good. We're, we're in the month of numbers. How, that's... Ah, you know I'm not a numbers person, so I'm going to well, have to just put on my... July, when me and you, Andy, when we start touring the country, we will do numbers if they choose when we visit. I'm doing this. I'm going to go with or without you. I'm touring this country and seeing Rebels. Well, let's just find a sponsor. Come on. Okay. Look at look at Arno smiling. Yes. Arkansas is ready, baby. We're gonna so what we're going to do is we're going to start up north and hit the northern states before the snow. So we can come down south. We're we're gonna we're gonna know our numbers and not get caught on the road in the snow. We're gonna get you in the right direction. That's right. <laughs> I like it. No, it's during hurricane season. Don't do it during think, hurricane season. Mike, no, I said y'all come to the east coast during hurricane season. Yeah, then we'll get stuck. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get stuck exactly. there till throughout till May. It'll be all right though. Good. But you'll profit from it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, let's call it. Let's make it a day. Any last words? Anyone, uh, words of encouragement, um, shout outs for, for the Rebels this week? When's the next summit, baby? When's the next summit? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on that. I was waiting. <laughs> Who said you that? said it. You said a month later. Art, no. Has it, has it been a month yet? <laughs> no, it feels like a year. <laughs> feels like a year that we did that. That one two days week. I don't know, Andy. Andy, we talked about this. Are we going to do a spring fall, or is it? Yeah, I. I just being a hundred percent honest, I'm just heartbroken. Still, I I still have too much pain in my gut from from being kicked in it. So. I yeah. I gotta get over that. With with y'all help, y'all can help yeah. me get over that. Well, I have some ideas. How Say that again, Jason. I was asking if Stephen, if that's the only vacation he takes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the reason. That's the only time his wife lets him go on vacation. I get it now. Well, I do. I tell you, um, I think everybody I've heard is I want to do this in the um, in the fall or winter. Um, in the Phoenix or somewhere areas. So, I mean, it'll be warmer, but we haven't given that part of the country any love yet. And we always get a lot of people. I don't know, but I, I still think this might tie into the regionals and it'll be smaller groups, but it might not be as strong. I don't know, but there's yes, a new, there's a new Opryland opening in Denver this year. <laughs> no, not, not the Opryland. We're going to go, we're going to go cheap next time. No, you know what? Yes, we, please. What, you know what? Honestly, I was talking to someone the other day, Jason, 
um, that went to summits and they went to conferences for, for their business. And they say, we never get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So that's where we, 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 we provided too much food and cost. You know, I don't mind saying this now. We've been very transparent and I know I eat a lot, but the cost, I didn't eat damn near enough. <laughs> the, the cost of food per person was knocking on 300's door. Yeah. And the average ticket cost. Yeah. For the, the average ticket paid based on the early bird and the others worked out just shy of 400. So making only 50, 60, 70 bucks or something like that after all the fees and the junk and all that stuff, it's really, 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 really no wonder why we cut so close. So next time I think it's, um, to be lunch only. Cause you lose people. If you're yes. And especially in a town like Nashville, yes. people were going downtown because what would happen is we got locked into a number. We mm-hmm. had to feed X. They wanted to know how many to buy the food for, which I would too, if I was in. And yeah. So I, I think you're, I think breakfast, a very continental, very light thing, some coffee and maybe a freaking bunch of Krispy Kreme or something like that. <laughs> then after, <laughs> and then after that lunch and, um, and that's it. But I, I think you're yeah. right. We knew Christine just volunteered to plan the next one. <laughs> oh, that was nice. That was nice. Crispy, crispy cheap. Well, it's, it's for charity. Who said that? Who said Krispy Kremes aren't cheap? Me. Yeah. Uh, but they're so good. They're yeah, they're good. They taste like a million bucks, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Jim Kittridge, this is every event location. Well, it didn't cost that much in Bend. I will tell you, if we have to go back to it Bend and do it not. again. That wouldn't break my heart. Uh, it might break all y'all's bank getting trying to get here, but it would not break my heart. Yes, Stephen, we can do it smarter because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes and fail. We we failed, but everybody had a really good time, so it wasn't a complete failure. That I don't think a- it was a complete failure. Um, yeah, I just got kicked in the balls after, which didn't feel good. Um, so let's do this. We're thinking about numbers. We're not going to take our eye off off of access, right? We're still thinking about if we're going to go somewhere, how do we get the access? And it's not access to everyone. It's access to the client that we have chosen to chase because that client fits our business model that we've chosen, staying with the intentionality, right? Very intentional businesses here. I love this group. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. Reach out in the group if you guys need anything else. Uh, in the next seven days. Otherwise, we'll see you next Tuesday, y'all. Love you. See ya.